Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today we will be discussing The Legend of Korra, Season 3, Episode 13, titled Venom of the Red Lotus, the season finale. And, oh my god, what an amazing season finale this is. This episode is freaking perfection. I love everything about it. Like, this is exactly what you want from an Avatar season finale. It's brilliant, it's mind-blowing, it's tense, it's exhilarating, it's tragic even, and it puts an end to this Red Lotus storyline in a truly magnificent way. In a truly, truly incredible manner. This is probably among my favorite Legend of Korra episodes. I adore literally every single thing about it. It's so good! It's such a good season finale. Uh, so, for the purpose of discussion, I'm going to be moving around the timeline a lot. Jumping around... To different points in the episodes. This is not going to be a linear discussion. (laughs) Simply because there are certain sequences that discussion would be better had if they're stitched together as as one. It's odd. It's It's all over the place. So... The first thing I want to talk about is uh, the rescue of the airbenders. Which actually starts off as a good old fashioned escape. Where... Everyone annoys the Red Lotus guards enough to give them water. And then Janora attacks. And they steal the keys to the cuffs. <laughs> it's it's so good. But then, of course, uh, the not Tenzin or Korra gang, <laughs> because they're both out of commission. Uh, so Bolin... Uh, Mako, Kai, uh, Beifong, Asami, all those people, uh, they come in and they rescue them. They sort of meet them halfway to a certain extent. Uh, that's a really good sequence. That's a really fun sequence. I especially love that one Red Lotus guard who's like, Why do we have to sit here with the airbenders while everyone else gets to watch the Avatar die? I can hold a bowl of poison. <laughs> like... It's such brilliant, borderline dark comedy. (laughs) It's so, so good. (laughs) Uh, But they free the airbenders. Bolin literally pushes Opal's mother out of the way (laughs) to get to her. (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is perfect. <laughs> uh, but they rescue these airbenders. And then Tonrock and Mako and Bolin go to rescue Korra. Now it is at this point that we should talk about uh, Zaheer poisoning Korra. Now, we finally learn why Zaheer wants Korra alive. We finally learn what Zaheer wants with Korra. So Zaheer's plan is to poison Korra. And because there will be poison in her, her body will naturally kick into the Avatar state in an attempt to survive. So, while Korra is in the Avatar state... Zaheer wants the Red Lotus to eviscerate her then, to murder her then, so that not only will Korra die, but the Avatar cycle will be broken. And then they can descend into true anarchy. Wow. Just wow. That, that is a brilliant villain plan. That really is a brilliant evil villain plan. Like, because back in Avatar The Last Airbender, back in the good old days of Avatar The Last Airbender, when Azula shot Aang out of the sky and almost ended the Avatar cycle, like, she wasn't trying to end the Avatar cycle. She didn't go into that thinking... I want to destroy the Avatar for all time. She went into that thinking, I'm just going to kill this stupid kid who keeps interfering with my plans. And the fact that Aang was in the Avatar state and the fact that the Avatar cycle almost ended because of that was just sort of a happy accident on Azula's part. But Zaheer, like, and this is what makes Zaheer so scary. Like, he meticulously plans out all of this stuff. He meticulously plans out uh, the demises of people and how to effectively kill people at just the right time. And you no more see this than when he's trying to kill Korra. Than when he's trying to destroy the Avatar cycle with Korra. It's really amazing. It's a truly amazing plot on Zaheer's part. It's a truly amazing undertaking on Zaheer's part. And I gotta applaud the writers for, like, going to this very, very dark place with this villain. Uh, so Zaheer pumps Korra full of poison. And we get this amazing sequence where Korra is, like, actively trying to prevent herself from going into the Avatar state. Uh, you see her eyes sort of, like, blink back and forth between white, normal, white, normal, white, normal, white, normal, white, normal. And she's also having visions of uh, people she's defeated previously. Uh, Amon, Unalak, Vatu, even. Like, she's having these, like, really scary, really unsettling hallucinations of previous big bads. And then she goes into the Avatar state and, uh, turns out Zaheer may have underestimated Korra in the Avatar state. 
because she just tears through all of the Red Lotus people, all of those guards, uh, tentacle lady, uh, lava bender dude, all of them. And she gets into this epic fight with Zaheer, and Mako Bolin and Tanrock, like, kind of just come in as Korra's chasing Zaheer out of the cave. And so, we got a couple fights going on here at once. Uh, I'll start with the less impactful of the two, although still pretty great. Uh, the fight between Mako and Bolin and Tentacle Lady and Lava Bender Dude. Which is so brilliantly crafted, and so badass, and so otherworldly satisfying. Like, to see Mako kind of just light into this tentacle lady, and then sort of back her into this giant pool of water, where he then just electrocutes her with lightning... Is so awesome. And to see Bolin get into this all out lava bending fight. With this lava bender dude. Whose name I finally remember. It's Gazan. Uh, he's the one. He's the one dude other than Zaheer. Whose name I remember in the Red Lotus. <laughs> uh, but to. Have this like full blown lava bending fight. Between Gazan and Bolin. It's so fantastic. And so Perfectly done. I love, 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 love every single element of it. And then, like, finally it ends with Mako and Bolin teaming up against Kazan. After Mako electrocutes Tentacle Lady. And they just sort of back him into a corner. And Kazan's like, hey, screw you guys. I'm not going back to prison. If I'm going down, you're going down with me. And then he just collapses the entire cave with lava. And, and so Mako and Bolin get away, and you just look back and see this collapsed lava-y mess where this cave once was. Like, it's such an awesome exit for this one character who was kind of in the background, but also sort of changed a lot of the bending rules. Like, lava bending did not exist before this guy. This character is the first lava bender featured in this show. And uh he kind of shifted some stuff in there. He kind of shifted some ideas <laughs> of of earth bending in that and facilitated this awesome arc for Bolin in the process. Like I I cannot picture a more badass way for that character to go out. But then, while this is happening, we also have this amazing fight between Korra and Zaheer. Uh, where Zaheer is flying around, Korra is being propelled by firebending. They're both, like, flying around the sky. is just at a, this frantic pace. Just firing at each other over and over and over again. And it, it's very reminiscent of the Sozin's Comet fight from Avatar The Last Airbender. It's very reminiscent of that Aang, Ozai, Sozin's Comet fight. That classic, classic action sequence. Like, it feels very much like that. The terrain is very similar. Uh, the frantic nature of it is very similar. 
Uh, the stakes of it are arguably more so, but still of a similar level of, oh my god, this is, like, a huge deal. Like, either Korra wins or the world's screwed. This fight is absolutely extraordinary. Uh, we see Korra sort of going in and out of the Avatar state throughout the entire thing. Uh, slowly sort of collapsing because of the poison. Uh, Zaheer even says at one point, you can't fight me and the poison. So we kind of see Korra, like, putting in so much. Putting literally everything she has into fighting Zaheer. Into defeating Zaheer once and for all. But, like, the poison sort of pulling her down. This poison sort of anchoring her to the bottom of this proverbial ocean and it's just magnificent to watch and then in order to save Korra Janora and all the other airbenders create this like massive tornado above them like just under Zaheer which both Zaheer and Korra get just sucked up into and they get pulled towards the ground. And we get an amazing little bit where Zaheer's trying to escape this tornado. And Korra's just pulling him down with her. Like, it's so good. It's so freaking good. And then, like, after this is done, after Korra is down and Zaheer is down and captured... And presumably defeated, we have this really terrifying moment where it's looking like Korra might actually die. Like, Zaheer, like, starts laughing maniacally and says, like, the poison's been in her system too long. The Red Lotus has won. And it's really, it's really a horrific, tense moment where you're genuinely fearing the worst. And then Janora points out that the poison is metallic, and Suyin's able to thankfully get it out of her. And Korra wakes up and sees her father is alive in this very, very powerful moment, while Bolin's literally stuffing a sock in Zaheer. <laughs> oh my god. Only, only an Avatar show could have this genuinely scary genuinely powerful moment where we think our main character is about to die and then we and then she doesn't and we're overwhelmed by joy and happy tears and all the feels and then cut to literally putting a sock in it <laughs> in this really stupid bit like only an avatar show could do that and do it well and then we get our ending which Holy crap, this ending alone, I could go on for, for about an hour, because it's absolutely magnificent. So, we're back at Air Temple Island, it's been two weeks since Zaheer, and Korra is in a wheelchair. Korra is like, full-blown wheelchair as she's slowly recovering from this poison, and she is hopelessly depressed. Like, you see her 
in the mirror, that little reveal, and she just has the most depressed, defeated look on her face. As Asami's sort of encouraging her for her first official Avatar appearance post-Zahir, post-absolute terror of being completely sidelined by Zahir's poison. Uh, So, she gets wheeled towards uh, Jinora's little master appointing ceremony, I don't know what it's called. Uh, she gets wheeled toward. She gets wheeled towards that, and we get this like gathering of leaders. Like we have Tens in there. We have Zuko. We have uh, the Bayfongs. We have uh, freaking Tanrock. We got Raiko there, and all of them are sort of saying, "Oh, you look, you look so good. You look." You look great. Everything's cool. Uh, I welcome you back to Republic City. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I sort of sucked before, but I welcome you back. And then we have this, like, nice little moment where Iki wants to help Korra get up. And Milo is like, I want to ride with Korra. And, like, she has this, like, small moment of happiness with these kids. And then at the second Cora leaves, Raiko's like, yeah, she doesn't look good. And is having this big defeatist attitude of like, yeah, the world's like in complete chaos right now. The Earth Kingdom's gone nuts after the death of the Queen. We don't know how many Red Lotus guards are out there. We don't know how re- many Red Lotus members are out there. They, like, they're just in the wind. Everything's bad. Everything's crap. Who's going to protect us now that Korra is in a wheelchair. And you kind of get this sense, like, as idiotic as Raiko is, as moronic as he is, as much of a dick as he is, there's a small part of you in this scene that kind of goes, I mean, yeah, but he's right. He's kind of right. Like, the world needs its avatar right now, And Zaheer put her in a freaking wheelchair. This is bad. This is really bad. Zaheer may have failed in ending the Avatar cycle, but he did succeed in throwing the world into chaos and sidelining its greatest hope for order. And then we have Jinora's little ceremony, where Tenzin... Formerly announces, or formally, did I say formerly? Formally announces, we are going to reclaim our nomadic nature and travel the world. And unlike our our ancestors, we're going to help all people, anyone who's in danger. We're going to help anyone that's in the midst of chaos. We are going to protect and hopefully restore the world. Like Korra does. Like Korra did. We will follow her example. Just like her. And Janora will lead us in doing this. And of course what Tenzin isn't flat out saying is... um, Yeah, Korra's kind of 
incapacitated, so while Korra recovers, we'll do this. Because we don't have our avatar right now. He never explicitly says, because we don't have an avatar, but he might as well say, because we don't have an avatar. Uh, and we then get this big reveal that Janora has a shaved head and now has tattoos, and she is a full-blown airbending master, and we get this beautiful ceremony with the air, with the wind chimes, Nora flat out, like, hugging her dad. Like, it's very heartwarming. But what should be a happy ending? What should be a satisfying moment? What should be the happiest we have been throughout this entire season is undercut by one final shot. Cora's in her wheelchair with her stoic, depressed face and sheds a single tear. That one shot, that one shot alone conveys so much by saying so little. Because what's the one thing we know about Korra above all else? That she is tough. That she likes being on the front lines, beating the crap out of <laughs> out of people who are causing others trouble. She loves being on the front lines. She loves putting herself in harm's way. She loves putting herself out there to help people and to do her duties as the Avatar. We've seen this over and over and over and over again throughout all three seasons so far of The Legend of Korra. And as scary as as Amon was, she was still able to do that. As scary as Unalak and Vatu were, well, not necessarily Unalak, but Vatu was, she was able to do that. But Zaheer is something different. Zaheer wasn't just a villain who was defeated and then cast aside. He left a lasting impact. And he left a lasting impact on the thing Korra treasures most. Her ability to actually do something for other people. She hates feeling helpless. She hates being sidelined. And now she's literally in a wheelchair. She let herself get captured. She let herself be poisoned. At least that's what she thinks. And now because of that, while Zaheer is lost, he has won in the sense that the Avatar is indisposed. He is one in the sense that the Avatar has been rendered Almost useless. 
And that is a genuinely scary idea. Because remember, you know what happened the last time? You know what happened the last time? An avatar was just completely down and out? A hundred years of war. Between the Fire Nation and everyone else. That's a bad precedent. And not only is, a, is it a bad precedent for the world, not only does this throw the world out of balance, but it has completely crushed Korra. Because the world is out of balance, and she can't do a damn thing about it in a freaking wheelchair. This one shot alone says all of that. And it is a really heartbreaking end for this season. It is a tragic, heartbreaking, horrific end to this season. And as we go into the final season, as we go into this last run of 13 episodes that we'll start talking about tomorrow, just know that that is going to cause... An arc, let's say that, <laughs> that's going to cause uh, some form of arc. And I really can't wait to talk about it because it's some of the most, even just in my own limited memory, it brings us some of the most extraordinary character development in this entire show. So, uh, yeah, that's a thing. That is it for season three. This was a brilliant season. This is a brilliant, brilliant season. I think it is quite possibly Best Legend of Korra. Uh, it is an absolute masterpiece on the level of the original series for the first time. Because, like, season one, as much as I really, really liked it, had problems. And season two was just immensely flawed and frustrating. We haven't had a season that was flat out on the level of Avatar The Last Airbender... Until this. And it's so freaking perfect. It's so freaking amazing. I love everything about it. It rivals that original series for the first time in this show's history in such a magnificent way. This is the season where Legend of Korra started to go beyond just an entertaining follow-up. And became a brilliant show in its own right. And I love everything about it. Uh, and season four is almost as good, if not just as good. If not even better. So I cannot wait to go into that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive. So that you can be here every single Monday through Friday. As I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer feel free to call in as well it's simplest just a push of a button on the anchor app i will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in follow me on twitter and instagram tomtom4468 and support the show patreon.com slash thomas clark pledge just a dollar a month i appreciate everything i get through there or if that doesn't work for you you can also support this show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing The Legend of Korra Season 4, Episode 1. Talk to you then.